Coming to you in hypersonic ultra-maximum high definition from the depths of the interwebs and straight into your ear holes, it's the Cinema Geekly Podcast. Featuring all of the people's names I wasn't paid enough to say in this intro. It's time for the Cinema Geekly Podcast, episode 176, brought to you by Adam Tickets. Head on over to adamtickets.com, or cinemageekly.com slash adamtickets, uh, or click the Adam Tickets link at the top of the page. Pick yourself up some movie tickets or a gift card for the movie fan in your life. Opening, uh, well, I think most of these are already out, actually. I don't think there's any. You know what the good thing about Adam Tickets is, though? Hmm. It doesn't crash every Thursday, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wherever you see a movie there in the morning on Thursday, and all of a sudden it's gone and doesn't show up. Are you talking about movie for the weekend? Pass, or... Yeah, I am. <laughs> um, opening uh, or not opening? These are movies that are already out right now: The Meg, Mission Impossible, uh, Fallout, Christopher Robin, Slender Man has been made into a movie. I guess should have expected that. Teen Titans Go, Mamma Mia. Uh, Black Klansman is opening in select theaters. Uh, Crazy Rich Asians is coming soon. You can pre-order tickets for that. Uh, that's what's in theaters. Uh, head on over to cinemageekly.com. I cannot wait to see Black Klansman. Uh, yeah, me neither. I'm excited for Black Klansman as well. Um, you know what's crazy is that young David Duke, he does a look, he looks a lot like Topher Grace. <laughs> Maybe it's a family resemblance. Uh, perhaps. Perhaps not. I, I don't. Let's not make any accusations. Uh, you know how those can get. Uh, I tell, dude, there is a picture. He looks exactly like him. Yeah? Yeah, here, hold on. I'm copying it. I'm going to send it to you. And I know this is thrilling for everyone. Yeah, but... this is excellent audio podcasting uh, right here. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, while Glenn sends that to me, there's like uh, a lot of stuff to actually talk about. I don't know. Oh my God, you're right. There is that image. <laughs> it looks a lot like Topher Grace. I know, it's crazy. Excellent casting. I, I know, right? Who knew? Uh, I haven't seen anything new since Ant-Man and the Wasp. Have you? What have you seen, Glenn? I know you uh, saw Skyscraper and we talked about that. Uh, but have you? What have you seen since Skyscraper? I didn't see Skyscraper. I experienced that Skyscraper. True. Yeah, nobody really watches that movie. No. Uh, what What have you seen since? Uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Okay, and how was that? I've heard good things. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to quite go as far as Ben. Ben said it was his favorite mm-hmm. of all the Mission Impossibles. I think I like Five the best still, but I will say this one is just a just a hair below that one. Mm. There are great action sequences in this one. I will say probably like the action sequences in this one are by far the best ones. Yeah. Um, but I, I just, I like the story of five a lot. I mean, like I've told you it's literally specter, mm. but not boring. <laughs> yeah. Specter dragged a bit. Um, do you think Tom Cruise really drove that fucking helicopter around Glenn? They're saying he did. I mean, he's a commercial-grade helicopter pilot. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, he be, well, the story is he became one for this scene. I mean, he was a pilot before. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are... Yeah, there's shots where it's definitely him flying. Now, I don't know about some of the maneuvering. Like, you can kind of tell whenever, like, the way they move the camera. Mm-hmm. When it's him and not... I would assume not him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he definitely flew a good chunk of it. And Henry Cavill is definitely in the back of that, uh, the other helicopter for good sequences. So yeah, why not? I mean, he, you know, the whole him doing his own stunts, like it, he does do them, but it's like, there's things technically he can't do. Now there's a lot that Tom Cruise apparently can't do, yeah. but uh, I think some of the like more technical things. Yeah. He would, but I know he did his own driving which is very apparent when you watch this movie. Like he's very adamant on doing his own driving and motor. I mean, that was the thing about five is like, you can't, I mean, I guess you could digitally it, but you would definitely have some uncanny Valley if you did, yeah. but it's totally him not wearing a helmet 
driving as fast as possible down uh, the highway in Morocco. I mean, that, like, that's <laughs> that's definitely him. Uh, so, uh, no, it's great. I mean, it it really it is good. You know, you... it just it just sucks that Tom Cruise hit of himself carries a lot of baggage. So, so what would you say, Glenn? Does this hit like four geeky glasses territory or above? Oh, this is way past four geeky glasses, like yeah. four point seven five. Because I love five. Five was, I mean, wow. that was my favorite movie that year. So. It's good. It's very entertaining. Henry Cavill again, you know, improves on his American accent. He he, he carried. We said that he had a decent one in Justice League. He definitely kind of carries that torch. There's a few times where it slips. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever you shout, that's kind of. I feel like that's probably the hardest thing to do with in an accent. Yeah. <laughs> with you know, and and your non-normal accent. But you know, no, he does a good job. Alec Baldwin's good. Ving Rhames is really good in it. Yeah, this could end up being like one of your top movies of the year. When, uh, uh, when it's I mean, it will definitely be one of my top movies of the year. Yeah. Probably not my favorite, but it's it's definitely up there. Yeah. Um, well, let's uh, quickly talk about some of this stuff. I don't know how much of this uh, the James Gunn stuff you've been following since the incident happened. Uh, but there's been it's really funny because he's sh- on the special features for the Avengers. So he they do the round table of all the directors. Yeah. And he's on there. So it is kind of funny in hindsight. Uh, th- there's actually been three relatively big pieces of news since we last sat down and talked about the situation. Because we talked about this on the last episode, which was during Comic-Con weekend. And that's when the news broke. And all we really had at that time were, um, you know, obviously the story and how it came about and what some of the reactions to, and some of the uh, vague uh, reactions by the cast at the time, with the exception of Dave Bautista, who has been far, far less than vague about his feelings. Um, but I guess piece one of this story was that eventually pretty much everyone except for Vin Diesel, and I want to know the Vin Diesel story, but pretty much everybody other than Vin Diesel signed and delivered a joint uh, statement in relation to their feeling about James Gunn, which essentially were like, we stand behind him, we don't agree with his dumb tweets, uh, but we also know he's a better person than that, and we will definitely work with him in the future. And basically it was a joint statement saying they've got his back, and they believe what happened to him was bullshit. Uh, and then piece number two was this um, uh, this tweet and then this uh, interview excerpt that came from Dave Batista, where he... I mean, I think all of these people in, on, under these uh, Marvel contracts or whatever have been asked this question or if they work uh, specifically with the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Uh, but Dave Batista, in an interview with a magazine, specifically stated that if James Gunn isn't rehired, he is going to ask for his release from his contract because he does not want to be a part of the movie if James Gunn is not a part of the movie. And then he had to clarify, I believe, in a tweet. Uh, believe it or not, I think the tweet came first because I think he was getting ahead of the news. Uh, but the, he had a tweet that later clarified that he's not quitting, because uh, I think some people took that as, Dave Batista is quitting, Guardians! And it's it's pretty clear in the uh, the magazine article that he said that he would ask for his release, not that he would quit. Uh, the idea is if they don't bring James Gunn back, he wants to quit, and he would ask for his release. Uh, but in a tweet, he clarified that, uh, you know, he's a professional and... You know, he would obligate his his contract if they won't release him. He just won't be happy about it. Uh, and then there has been some chatter. I think it was from Deadline. May have been from... I can't remember if it's from Deadline or Variety. Uh, but they were citing sources that said that there is a, there are some back-channel talks going on between people working at Marvel trying to talk to the people at Disney to get them to sort of reverse this whole James Gunn thing and bring him back on board. So apparently there is some back channel talking going on between 
Marvel higher ups and Disney higher ups about um, bringing him back. So I don't know. I feel like Disney uh, they they had their knee jerk reaction to this because they wanted to avoid turning it into a controversy, and I think in doing so so quickly. Uh, they've ended up creating the controversy that they were seeking to avoid in the first place. I don't know where. Where do you fall on this whole this whole mess? Well, I'm going to draw a parallel to something that might sound a little strange at first. Sure. Well, dude, but, I I've in another podcast, uh, <laughs> we just we just got done talking about uh, Better Call Saul, and I can I compared Saul to. Uh, what was it? Legends of Tomorrow. So, I think, I mean, maybe this will be stranger than that, but I don't know. Good luck. No, the whole thing really reminds me of the NFL's handling of domestic violence. Because mm-hmm. the whole thing was all these athletes, and I say athletes, I mean NFL players. Yeah. If you look at any other major sport in North America, it is mostly NFL and that guy that the Astros just got from. The Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, <laughs> and a lot of Chapman. Yeah. But mostly it's an NFL thing. And yeah. so the whole thing is everyone hates Roger Goodell because he's the devil. Mm-hmm. But he took an extreme step that overstepped. Roger Goodell play. being Disney here. Yes. Yes. Took an extreme step mm-hmm. to counter PR because of all the arrests and charges and essentially, you know, payouts just like what Bill O'Reilly's people were doing, you know, hush money yeah. uh, for victims. And people freaked out because it was overstepping the bounds of what the commissioner should do. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not saying that the commissioner really did anything wrong because he's got to do something, right? But he did it so quick and so drastic that they had more people freak out about his handling of like Ray Rice and Adrian Peterson whenever he like beat his kid with a switch that he just started bleeding all over his legs. Ah, yes, I remember this. Yeah. But people were so mad because it's like, I feel like a lot of it has to do with like fantasy football and money that you can make off of gambling. I mean, that's really where it comes down to is I feel like you're hitting people's pocketbooks because it's a great player. If it was some, you know, practice squad, no one would give a rat's ass about what he did. No, no. He has no um, And that's where I feel like with Disney is, is they, ignoring other facts of the story, they did what they thought was the right thing to do, considering the world that we are in now. Mm-hmm. And now there's a backlash because they essentially, again, ignoring things, they're getting backlash because they did the quote-unquote right thing. Again, not really the case because of all previous stuff, but that's where it really reminds me of is they did something to course correct because, oh, shit, this is uh, what's nipping in the butt now. Mm-hmm. And unfo- not unfortunate, but but the way that they nipped it, it just – this was the wrong hill to die on. Like this is – this should have been somebody else. You know, they announced like Roman Polanski was going to make a movie. Yeah, what he did was like 40 years ago, but he actually did something. He didn't just say awful things on the internet. Or what's his name? The <laughs> Victor Sylvia or whatever. The guy who directed Powder um, was a convicted rapist, I believe. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's not like Roman Polanski isn't convicted. It's just he can't come to the United States without getting arrested. Right. I mean, <laughs> so. I, right. I mean it feels like... I feel like they Disney thought they were doing the right thing, but didn't think about it very long. Like to me, it was a knee jerk reaction that turned out to be, um, you know, as a lot of knee jerk reactions are usually wrong. You're it's why they're called knee jerk reactions that usually are acted on, not with rationality or logic or much thinking. It's, fuck, we got to get on top of this. Let's take care of it right now. Uh, yeah, and this isn't something to go down a major rabbit hole, uh, and I know I'm going to regret it as soon as I bring this up, but I hope people don't try and draw parallels to this with, like, the things that happened to Alex Jones because it's a completely different medium that you're dealing with. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I just... 
it's different, you know, different circumstances. The only reason why I bring up the NFL thing is because the reaction was similar and the backlash was similar. Now, I mean, you didn't have like players protesting that they weren't going to play in games because obviously they weren't. They want the money. Uh, but it is, you know, it is similar with the public outcry of like, why are you doing this? This is an overstep. And an, we we want change, but you got to do change the way we want you to do it, kind of and, thing. In another in another way, I feel like they also thought that maybe this guy was like a practice squad guy that no one's going to care too much about. Yeah, it's James Gunn. It's not like we fired the Russos and, or John sure. Favreau. Well, I, and I think that was another misstep. I don't think they realized just how very aware that a lot of the fans are of who makes the movies nowadays and whose you know vision these things are uh etc cetera, etc cetera. and i i don't i don't think they expected the the backlash in return i think they well, thought yeah. they were doing a good thing uh this is just what happens when you don't stop and think about it which you know well, and the thing too is like james we, gunn like he's a nobody in like mainstream mm-hmm. but just like anything that comes from genre like you have a very dedicated fan base yeah you know, Better Call Saul is small, or like Breaking Bad was small, but like everyone talked about it on the internet. Yeah, I mean, I think their most viewers was like four and a half million. Mm-hmm. Which but is, please tell me somewhere I, on the internet that didn't talk about Breaking Bad on a daily basis. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know what's going to actually end up coming of this. I don't know if the back channel talks, if they're really happening, are going to result in anything. The, I mean, ultimately, I think. I don't know. To me, I don't. Do you see think that. that the actual storytelling of the movies, because the, the whole thing is he was supposed to oversight space. Uh, yeah, and he was writing, and he's in the middle of writing the script for the movie as well, or he was. I don't know if he still is. I know that he's not directing the movie anymore, but I don't know if he's been fully removed in any and all ways. I presume that he has been, but I know he was. Yeah, but it could be like a you know, your right thing, right. whereas you know you're still yeah. going to have flavors of what he originally had. I mean, I know he's a producer in Infinity War. Um, You know, his name is in the the credits there as Mm -hmm. one of the producers. And I know they want him to, kind of after Infinity War, the idea, or the second Infinity War, whatever you're going to call it, the idea was that he was going to be overseeing, like, the new direction the movies go in, or something along those lines. Which, to me, is actually a, you know, he is a pretty big name at least behind the scenes uh in that regard if that's what they were well i mean now but that's what i mean is like sure you know they treated this as you know because that was their whole thing is let's hire up-and-comers or people who haven't done a whole lot um well i mean and if they i guess ultimately i think what i because they can have ultimate power over them but someone like a james gunn like they have a voice and he has a following to me, but it's, it's a following that you're not used to. Right. To me, the real story here, I think, is even if they thought James Gunn was not a large name that most people would recognize, uh, the story has gotten out there to all of those people so they know who he is. And the fact that all of the big-named actors who the normal people do know have come out in support of him, you know, I think the real story is there. If they don't bring him back, is this movie going to face you know, bigger than usual backlash or petitions or boycotts or, you know, whatever the case uh, may be. Are people going to be, you know, looking at the movie going like, you know, these guys didn't want to do this movie without James Gunn, but they didn't have a choice. Are they phoning it in? You know, are they not really trying their best? Is the movie not going to be... Is this going to be Thor 2? I feel <laughs> I feel like they've created a giant whirlwind here in firing him, and I, I'm not sure... Sh- I'm not really sure. I think the only way to subside it is to just bring him back. The only people you're going to upset are the people who think he's a pedophile. So, uh... Yeah, but those are also the people who are going to buy Dinesh DVDs on... <laughs> yeah, that's true. On Amazon. We're not going to talk about Dinesh's movie, but... Uh, yeah, let's talk about a movie that could be as good as that <laughs> Dinesh D'Souza movie. The, the se- Have you seen the second trailer for Venom? Yeah. Uh, how are you feeling about this? I... Aaron, uh, from what I've seen from his post, he seems to be much more into this movie than I am. I am not into this movie. The The second trailer did nothing for me. Uh, this still feels like a pretty generic superhero movie. I did understand when he said it looked funnier. 
Did he say that? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, if he said funny. something about it being funny and like, oh, the jokes are in. We now we finally got the jokes or something. Mm. Well, like, so they aren't doing an R-rated Venom movie, uh, which um, I've heard people say like that type of setting would work best for what that character is. And I guess the idea is they didn't want to do an R-rated Venom because Venom interacts with Spider-Man who lives in a purely PG-13 world with the MCU. And if you ever want Venom to be interactive in that environment, uh, I, I don't know, to me that's a bullshit argument because if they <laughs> wanted to put Deadpool in the Avengers, they could totally PG-13 Deadpool. We've talked about this before. Back before that first Deadpool movie even came out, like, what if they don't do a rated R movie? Can they do a PG-13 movie? And I think we were all like, yes, of course, because Deadpool would just call attention to the fact that he can't swear or, you know, can't be super gory or whatever, and he would call attention to it because that's the character. It would, you know, you can make Deadpool fit into the MCU. Uh, You know, it would take a little bit of finagling, but you could do it and make it work, and have it not be R-rated. And the same thing with Venom. Venom can be R-rated in his Venom movie, but, you know, less R-rated in the, you know, when he shows up in a Spider-Man picture or something. Uh, I don't I don't know if going R-rated is the solution to this, but this trailer just does nothing for me. I just, it just looks like a generic superhero movie, and I will check it out at a later date, hopefully sometime before the end of the year, but... I am not excited for it, even a little bit. How about yeah. you, then? No, I mean, like, I'll see it, but it doesn't... It looks like it doesn't know what it wants to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, the whole when he's I, telling I, the guy as Venom, like, we're going to rip off your arms, and we're going to eat your face, and you're just going to be a turd really down in the wind. Like, that that was nonsense to he me. He did say turd, right? Yeah. Okay. Like, that wasn't Drax talking about how he has famously huge turds. Like, okay, I'm. It, this was Venom. Is Venom like that in the comics? Do you know? I mean, he's, like, brash. Like, he is, like it's dark humor. You know, it's black comedy. <laughs> okay, so, like, the thing that James Gunn was fired over. Yeah. But not, like, turd. Like, well, that's all what makes him an anti-hero, and... okay? Yeah. It's because he's not all sunshine and rainbows. I'll eat your arms and legs, and then you'll just be a turd. Like, yeah. no. Like, I mean, there's no way to really... Uh... I mean, really, if they want it to be just, like, completely... Met, like, I feel like they could hop, They could hire, like, Charlie Day and Rob McElhaney to do, like, punch-up jokes. Yeah. Like, just put, insert the really awful, awful, awful things that they, they do take... in Always Sunny and yeah. make him say some of those things that they actually do in that show. Well, hopefully they take that line about him eating various parts of his body and then he'll just be a turd. Hopefully that one gets removed from the movie because that was awful. Like, you can't... Like, I was okay up until the turd thing because that was, like, the dumbest punchline. Yeah, the, the only way that would work is if it was Tom Hardy playing Bane and then it would be fucking hilarious because he's <laughs> saying in that fucking Bane voice. That's the only way it would be funny to me. Uh, well, <laughs> and no also, way... it would have been a little bit more cryptic. It wouldn't have been yeah. just... They, we wouldn't have just told you were a turd. Let's just say it this way, Glenn. The dialogue is so awful, there's no way to polish that turd. That's true. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, was, I mean, that was like the straw for me. Like The rest of it, it I mean, it did. It looked fine. But fine isn't going to cut it for me. And then when they got to the turd joke, I was like, all right. Because, look, I love those Guardians movies. I have a parasite. <laughs> I, love I, mean, I mean, I love Tom Hardy, but yes. just let him be British. Because, man, yes. what, whatever New York accent what, he's trying to do in San Francisco is yeah. not working. I don't know what accent he's going <laughs> for. Uh, I, like I said, I love those Guardians movies, but, look, even the... The juvenile humor in that is a little too below my standards. For I mean, look, I love South Park, but like, there's yeah. there's a way to do a good poop joke. Sure, sure, you can. It can be done. Uh, it has been done. It's just poop is know. still funny. It's just you got to do it. A, you got to do it the right way. Uh, let's talk about the news, Glenn, on the Facebook page that has the most engagement, which I guess is a pun, 
out of uh, any of the other posts that we've had recently. Uh, and that is the news that Patrick Stewart is returning to reprise his role as Jean-Luc Picard in a brand new Star Trek show on CBS All Access. Uh, if anybody has... Oh, did his other show get canceled or something? Uh, the one that he had on, like, what, Stars or something? Yeah, Blunt or whatever. I heard that was good, too, and I've just, you know, don't get stars, so I can't watch Speaking it. of black comedy. Yeah, yeah, that was one as well. Uh, where he's like a Piers Morgan type, isn't he, or something? He's like a asshole British news commentator or something, or talk show host. Yeah, but, like, show. actually funny. Yeah, oh yeah, funny. He's actually funny. Uh, so... If uh, if you haven't, uh, you know when Piers Morgan was on America's Got Talent. Oh, I I recall this. Why was he on America's Got Talent? But this isn't a whole like foreigners taking her job thing. No, no, no they it's just, just need it's a, a why is a guy who's a news reporter on a talent show thing? It's, well, it's it's part of the it's part of the formula. You need an asshole guy with a British accent to be the asshole with a British accent on a talent show where he. Uses his uh, yeah, they get like Jimmy Carr yeah, to do it. Yeah, they, <laughs> they use his accent to put people down about how awful they are. Yeah, it just uh, it weird career weird career move for him. We've talked we've talked way more about Piers Morgan now than I was expecting. Well, to, this is one hundred percent for Ben. Uh, <laughs> we can talk about James Corden next. Oh boy, uh, yeah. So uh, speaking of Ben. Uh, he and I talked on uh, our Star Trek podcast, I'm a Doctor, Not a Podcast, about a lot of this stuff. Uh, this is part of the Alex Kurtzman expansion of the Star Trek TV universe, uh, where they're going to be creating a bunch of new shows. In fact, somebody from CBS uh, was quoted as saying that, look, for me, I can't get enough of it, but I don't think this is a good idea. They're like, we want to be able to have year-round Star Trek on CBS All Access. Like, at all times of the year, there will be a Star Trek show of some kind uh, on. Which, but is know, it going to be the Star Trek that we all know and love? Or is it going to be the new stuff that some old nerds don't like? <laughs> well, I don't know. It sounds like it's going to be a combination of a lot of things. Uh, none of it's going to be JJ-verse, Kelvin-verse, Star Trek. That stuff appears to be sitting uh, in solely in Paramount's court, and the TV stuff sounds like it's all going to be taking place in the prime or original timeline uh, of Star Trek. So this is one of the things that Ben and I talked about was uh, one of the shows was a potential miniseries that there were no details about, and there was a rumor that Patrick Stewart was interested in returning. Now, this is one of those things that you always hear about, right? Like, so-and-so says that they would love to play this character from a video game in, you know, in a movie adaptation, or so-and-so would love to play this comic book character. Uh, you hear that sort of thing all the time, and you always hear people from Star Trek. Uh, especially, there's a lot of guys from Next Gen who have been like, yeah, I'd love to come back and do... Yeah, it's because they need Trek. jobs. Sure. <laughs> uh... Well, I mean, I don't know. Michael Dorn, he's wanted to come back to do a Wharf thing for forever, and I think he gets a lot of work, uh, mostly voice work, but um, he gets a he gets a lot of work. But, Let's see if this is true. Does Michael Dorn get a lot of work? I think he gets a lot of voice work. Uh, that being said... That ain't paying the bills. No. <laughs> that being said, uh, you know, that's kind of where I drop this at, which is the stage of, oh, he says he would like to come back, but, you know, Patrick Stewart... I don't, I, don't, I don't see him coming back. And then, lo and behold, at the Star Trek Las Vegas convention, Alex Kurtzman brings out Patrick Stewart, and he announces he's returning to Star Trek and returning to the character, and it's going to be a miniseries about Picard, and it will be presumably taking place after the final next-gen movie, which is where that current timeline ends. Wait, uh, wait. The last next-gen, as in, like, Nemesis? Yes, so it would be sometime after that movie. Mm. As a side note, did you know that Michael Dorn was the voice of Prometheus and Arrow? I did know that, yeah, because his voice sounded familiar to me, and then I went and looked it up. Okay. So, yeah, I did know that. Uh, so, yeah, I'm obviously, Glenn, very excited about this. Uh, this is your wheelhouse. 
Yeah, how how much or little do you care about it? I mean, I presume of all watched, the, uh, I presume you've all, watched some next gen. Yeah, of all the ones I've watched, I've seen the most of next gen. I would say that, and um, Deep Space Nine is probably what I've, those two have been what I've seen the most. Mm. Can't go wrong with those. Well, I mean, this is on CBS All Access, so my presumption is you likely won't see. Well, it. Brett Spiner hasn't had a gig since 2017, so he might want to have he might want to come back too for the fun of it. Yeah, this is going to be, I mean, rife with opportunities for cameos from all of those shows. Uh, people have been wanting them forever, so I pres- yeah, and the the time at which the show takes place is only a presumption on my part, but. Patrick Stewart has aged some. It only makes sense to me that it would take place sometime. Well, yeah, Patrick Stewart's just like Gene Hackman. He's looked like he's 70 years old for about 40 years. <laughs> yes. Or, or Angela Lansbury also. He's, She's looked the same since 1968. He's finally reached the stage where he now, you can actually notice a difference between season one of Next Gen Patrick Stewart <laughs> and current day Patrick Stewart. You can just now notice that they have aged somewhat. But, you know, uh, other than that. Oh, yeah. Jonathan so, Frakes, he hasn't worked since 2018 either, or 2017. No, and Frakes mostly does directing now. Yeah, he's like a TV director dude, isn't he? he does a, yeah, he does a lot oh, of Oh, he directed, he's doing two episodes of Star Trek Discovery. That's right, and he did uh, The Orville, which is Seth MacFarlane's next-gen-ish type show. I think he's also maybe doing an episode of season two of Cosmos as well, but... Uh, yeah, so he does a lot of he does a he's, lot of directing. Looks like he's oh, he's done a lot of the librarians. Hmm. But yeah, I'm to suffice to say very excited about this. I don't even care what it's about. It's just he's an amazing actor, and it's a really well fleshed out and developed character that I'm all that I already care a lot about. So I kind of so there's more they could do with him. Well, I, see, that's the thing. I don't know what they can do. Although, that being said, uh, a lot of Star Trek fans would, I think, are in the camp that the last movie, which was supposed to be the send-off for the crew, was not a good send-off. In fact, I don't think it was meant to be the send-off. I think they were planning on doing at least one more, but Nemesis did not do well, and therefore there were no more movies, and that acted as the send-off, and people were not happy as that being the send-off for that cast of uh, characters. So I don't know what else they can do. I feel like I've seen him do everything, but you know, let's see what they... And it sounds like it's going to be a mini-series, so it's going to be even shorter than Discovery. So, I don't know. We'll see what they do with it. I'm pretty excited. Patrick Stewart was the great prince in Bambi (laughs) 2. They've uh and and look I uh, Star Trek has never experimented with a miniseries uh, before so uh, it'll I'll, I'll be interested to see what they can do with it uh, I, I guess we should move along here we've got a couple more things we want to talk about and time is of the essence as always uh, the Oscars Glenn it's not Oscars well. time but they've made news nonetheless. I'd correct me if I'm wrong about this. This is a, this is what I've gleaned from reading about this. It sounds like the Oscars really want to give an award to Black Panther. <laughs> something that's not a visual effects award, something that's not a sound design award, something that's not a costuming award. They really want to give it something better than a technical award, but they don't want to give it like a best picture nomination or something i think they could definitely do best supporting actor and yeah. supporting actress or maybe even best director uh no I'm not sure. i mean it really it really depends on what it really depends on what comes out later in the year to be honest uh that being said oh i'm look and i agree i think there's cases that you can make for best supporting actor and actress uh in in a you know, in some cases, but yeah, it, to me, this is what it really feels like. It feels like, cause they could have done this at any other time. Well, I mean, it's the reason why they expanded it was because of the dark Knight. So, right. 
Uh, and unfortunately, it turned into like, let's pick the other art house movies that aren't really that good. Yeah, <laughs> can, can squeeze them in. Uh, I feel like they could have added this this particular word at any like the time. post. I'm just, that movie's just hot garbage. <laughs> Uh, I, so what I'm saying is they could have added this award at any time, like post Dark Knight or post Return of the King. Um, they could have added Mad this award Max. at any time. Or Mad Max. That's I mean, it did excellent. get nominated. It, it's still horseshit that it didn't win, but... Agreed. Uh, what did it get nominated? Did it get Best Picture nomination? Uh-huh, it did. Did he get Best Director nomination? No, that was any of two for The Revenant. Ugh. I mean, that's a. I know it's a tough field. But I mean, we've talked about it, and I've ranted shit out of that. Mad Max. I've ranted so many times, but it's like, how do you win best production design, best visual, like best editing? Like they almost won every win technical every thing. technical award, but he's not. He, he's, <laughs> he's not, not the best good enough director. Okay. Like, uh, all the things that a director's really gonna have control, like can really set the stage for. Um, <laughs> so, like, I, I mean, feel like if something wins best editing, you should win best director because you're the one who, I mean, minus George Lucas, yeah. uh, because apparently he's, it was the editor that saved it. But, sure. uh, you know, I feel like those kind of go hand in hand in some respects. I mean, this is very obviously. Because that was your spotlight one. And that's just, yes. I mean, spotlight was fine. Like it was good, but right. really. <laughs> I mean, this this just feels very obvious to me. Like I said, they could have uh, introduced this award at any time. Uh, well, it's like strange. the animation thing. I mean, the sure. reason why they introduced it was because those Pixar movies were so freaking good. Right. It they feels, had to give them something. It feels obvious to me that the timing is not coincidental that Black Panther came out and was a sensation. It was a very good movie. And this is the year after yeah. the whole we didn't nominate anybody of color. Sure, sure. Uh, so the new Oscar that they're creating is for, uh, what best popular film. Why don't you just call it the MTV movie, MTV movie award. Like that's, yeah. that's all it is. This look, what's, what's the one thing that people tend to deride the Oscars for that? It's a bunch of snooty old white people who want to give awards to a bunch of movies that nobody saw. And to placate people, they did the most old white person snooty movie <laughs> film thing. Well, let's just call it the popular film award and give it to the popular movies that everyone else likes. They're not the good movies; they're just the popular ones. And they need they to change the. Uh, they need to change it from best picture to like favorite picture. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> and, and look, obviously, popularity does not equate quality. Quality is obviously highly subjective, but. Just calling it most popular, like uh, best achievement of a popular movie, it just makes it sound like you're already shitting on it. Like the plebs like this movie, let's throw <laughs> them a gold statue, you the, know, to the shut them up. Basic award. We'll get them to watch because we're desperate for ratings. So let's toss them. Let's toss them this. But you know, we're gonna backhandedly compliment them by giving them an award. But also, you know, downplaying the importance of the film by just referring to it as popular. Well, that was like the, that's like the thing of uh, like well, the, this is like the you, movie that should win Best Picture always wins Best Original Screenplay. Mm-hmm. Like Get Out won Best Original Screenplay. It probably should have won Best Picture. Was it my favorite movie? No, but like yeah. what the movie is, like right. it should have won. It's just like Mad Max. Like what? What the movie is as a genre movie like supersedes and transcends anything that should have been possible for what it did and yeah. what it accomplished. Like you need to recognize that. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, uh, this is. I mean, this is exactly like the animation category. They no, that's exactly give, it. They don't want to give Coco a Best Picture nomination, so luckily we have. I this mean, they gave it Best Song, and uh, having only heard it live, that song is terrible. <laughs> the movie's great. It's a great movie. I know. Uh, I've heard. I heard it'll make you cry. There's a lot of great Pixar movies that probably could have gotten Best Picture nominations had they, you know, they have those. Basically, the Oscars are still carrying the stigma. Cartoons are for kids. Blockbusters are for idiots. Comic book movies for kids. 
you know, no serious fan of movies will care about these movies. I don't know uh, if this is, is the true, message they're sending. But the last movie that got nominated for best picture that was animated was Beauty and the Beast. I think Perhaps, it's the yeah. only best picture nominee since like Snow White or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, in the 20s or the 30s or something. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. I don't I don't know if it's 100% true. I I know I know Beauty and the Beast got nominated for best picture, but I think it is like the only movie and that's why because the you know, when Disney started having the renaissance, that's why they created the animation award. But that was yeah. like years later. I don't think they I don't think it was until like Shrek came around like early 2000s. I mean, I get it to a Degree. But the thing is, now we're never going to have an animated movie that can win Best Picture. Right. When I, you know, some years there's a case that right. it could. Look, to me, I get it to a degree that there are a lot of genres of movies, and each of those genres produce at least a handful of really good movies every year. And it's impossible to. You tell me like, that there's like four, five good horror movies a year? Well, okay. With the exception of horror, uh, there's, <laughs> there's like there, this year's an ab, this year's an aberration because there's like two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you um, count Annihilation, I guess three. It's yeah, uh, yeah. It's just I I get that there's too many to choose from, but then again, it's also very clear that they purposefully, unless faced with a lot of backlash, do not put you know, movies from the nerdy genre into consideration for anything other than... And also, what are they, what, what's the cutoff of popular? Sure. Like, how much uh, money does it have to make? I mean, we'll talk about... We'll talk about the box office stuff for the summer uh, to close out the show. I'm positive almost none of these... With the exception of the fact that they get considered for technical awards or for best popular film, will not get any other nominations of any kind. So... Presumably, popular means movies with big budgets that did big box office. Is like what I uh, um, Planet of the Apes, the second one. Mm-hmm. That would have won this award, I think. Oh, and it, yeah, I, I don't know what came out that year, but I really don't have to think about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, you know, it, so it's just, a, I don't think this is what people are clamoring for. I think what people are clamoring for is to recognize on equal footing all movies of different variety. Yeah, ignore you the know, setting. Pay attention to the story. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't matter that Black Panther is about a superhero with superpowers. You know, it's more than that. But you know, they're going to plop it into this category. Now, a lot of people have already very wisely made the connection that look, there already is an award for most popular movie. It's called Money. <laughs> and these movies these movies already have won those awards. Like no, these are this is looking for, you know, critical acclaim not based on their popularity, but based on the content of the films. Like is, you know, the story, the acting, the directing, the technical aspects of the movie. And I think the argument is that many of these movies are just as uh deserving of awards attention as something that has a small budget that was made for the purposes of art, not commercialization, although commercialized art is still art. Uh, and you're going to have a hard time. I mean, look, there's some movies I'm sure where people are like, I'm doing this shit for the paycheck. But there's, I'm sure, plenty of these movies where the people making them... Transformers really 4 and 5. Continue. <laughs> sure. But I bet there's a people who's working on some of these other movies who really believe in what they've created... And it is art. Yeah, I mean, I would it say just like anything to that, was, that, that could have a hint of nostalgia. Yeah. You're doing it because, like, as much as we want to shit on J.J. Abrams, or I want to shit on J.J. Abrams for, like, not taking chances. But, like, he did Star Wars because he loved Star Wars. Like, he didn't just do it because it was like, I'm going to make a shitload of money. He did yeah, it he because, did. I mean, yes, yeah. he knew he was going to make a shitload of money. But, but he, he did it because he loved Star Wars. Yeah, like, you know, it, you know, what kid doesn't dream of doing the you know doing the thing that you know like the i really should flip it around what adult wouldn't dream of doing like the thing that you dreamed about as a kid and then you get to do it not very many people are going to turn that down because you know why would you 
nostalgia is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's just bad when it's done poorly. Uh, yeah, I just... The reason why I ask about the popular thing, you know, it probably got forgotten about because it wasn't the smash hit that came out in February, yeah. but like Annihilation. Like, that is a yes. genre, quote-unquote, popular movie. Now, it didn't make a lot of money, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that it went to Netflix uh, d- internationally. Annihilation feels like the type of movie that would get nominations. I mean, it's going to, like, crush at weird. the Saturn Awards, probably. Yeah, it's it's too weird for most mainstream audiences. Or a little too cerebral in other senses. But because of it being about... It, aliens spoilers uh like that would be a it's a popular subject i guess the the, sure. the actual movie itself didn't turn into like a smash hit but it's a it's a what you what they might call popular and that's the problem is it's so vague like what you what do you distinct you know like we were talking about like better calls or um breaking bad like it was popular on the internet but like actual raw numbers it wasn't like a you know more people watched NCIS ten times over than they ever watched Breaking Bad, but I mean, who the hell talked about NCIS on the internet? Yeah, nobody. Yeah, those people don't have the. Internet. And they may have talked about it on their landline phone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but... Yes, <laughs> they talked about it at the but, senior but it center. Was, yeah, it didn't have the yeah. buzz. It doesn't have buzz around it. And then, I guess sure. that's my thing: is what, what are you going to distinct as popular? Yeah, uh-huh. I don't think they've. I don't think they've made it clear what the qualifications are. I think are. they just said, we're going to get a movie where we know that we can give an award to a predominantly yeah. black cast and a black they're director. Gonna, yeah, they're going to look at, I'm guessing they're going to look at the box office for last year, and then they're just going to look at the ones that aren't animated, and they're going to be like, alright, these are the nominees. Yeah, because like, why wouldn't, yeah, why wouldn't it, uh, Incredibles be in that? Oh, well, it's already going to get animated movies, so, or not get, right. but, you know, be in the running for that. Right. But, you know, are you going to have something now, you know, as we saw the reviews, like, what if the Meg, you know, if the Meg had a little bit more cheese to it and it was more Deep Blue Sea, less trying to be like Jaws, then. Uh, I mean, I'm re- I'm going to reserve my thoughts until I see it, but that's what I've heard at least. Yeah, but what it means, like, you know, is that really going to go up or like something like I love Skyscraper because it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Now, it's made money internationally, but domestically, it hasn't been so hot. Uh, so is that being considered just because it's made money? It, it made more than the $50 million threshold that it seems like a lot of the um, smaller movies make? Yeah. And, I, you know, it's weird. I will say this now because my theaters locally are going under renovations. But... Um, <clears throat> You know, I saw the Sorry to Bother You didn't play here. Uh, Black Klansman's not playing here. Now, that probably says something more about the um, uh, demographic here uh, than anything <laughs> with those yes. two examples. Yes. But even to some extent, like, I didn't get the award movies, and it wasn't even a limited release thing until, like, pretty damn close up until the Oscars in some cases. Like, I didn't yeah. get to see all of them until February. I didn't get see every movie that was on that list. And it has nothing to do with like them being super popular, but it just seems like these theaters only want to take the safe bet. Yeah. Like I loved Call Me By Your Name, but it was me and one other person in that theater when I saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, I don't, and my, my thing is, I don't know... I don't want them to just do it as, as a reaction or even the other flip side of the reactions like, oh, you're just doing this because you guys still want to, you know, jerk each other, jerk each other's, you know, dicks off with yeah. these small indie movies that you make. Because, again, you have the Independent Spirit Awards for that. Um, the, the Oscars should be what, on a whole, what was the best things that came out? Does it matter if it made $200 million or three bucks? Yeah. Um, but also, I think they need to change the cutoff. I'm tired of these movies coming out like three days before the year ends. This, this is stupid. Because that's the other reason why no one's seen it is because everyone pushes back because they want to win the Oscars. Because the Oscars aren't until freaking March now. Like they they need to make the Oscars need to come out in February, and they need to make the cutoff point like Christmas. If your movie doesn't come out before Christmas, then it doesn't get counted. And that's why no one sees it because. By the time it's going to be on DVD, the Oscars have passed. So there's no buzz because everyone's trying to be the last movie out. 
Anyways, I'm done with my rant. Sorry. <laughs> uh, let's talk about let's talk about box office to close things out here. The summer is nearly over. According to Box Office Mojo, the summer is defined by the first Friday in May through Labor Day weekend. Uh, and it's pretty much here. There's most. I don't think there's anything else really big coming out between now and then. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's anything really huge coming out that could affect, really affect the charts. For, I mean, maybe Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, I mean, it could make it into the. I think it could make it into the top ten or whatever before the, the, the summer is done. I'd be but surprised I, it didn't make a hundred mil. I guess let's look at the same. Let's look at the top five. We'll look at the top five domestically and then worldwide because they are slightly different. And depending on how you want to, uh, depending on how you want to use the numbers, and depending on when you want to define the summer season, uh, number five could be Ant-Man and the Wasp or it could be Solo a Star Wars story depending on if you want to count Avengers Infinity War as a summer movie it was originally slated to open in that summer window the very first week of that summer window but they moved it up a week uh, uh, I guess to I think wasn't it to like curb spoilers I think I don't remember I think it was so it would open identically with the rest of the openings across uh, across the globe to a, I guess to avoid spoilers. I don't I don't remember exactly, but I don't. Know. Glenn, uh, are we going to include Avengers or exclude? Why not? I mean, it's I think it it's counts. so close that who cares about the semantics? Yeah i I think it counts. I think it totally counts. Um. All right, so then that would make Solo a Star Wars movie number five with two hundred and thirteen point one million. That's actually better than I thought it was going. I mean, obviously that's a huge disappointment for Disney and Star Wars, and we've long speculated or given our opinions about uh, why the movie did not do as well. By the way, that two hundred and thirteen point one is almost everything it made. It hasn't hit four hundred million worldwide. Yeah, it did. It made four thirteen. I don't know. I'm looking at Box Office Mojo right now, and it says three hundred ninety-one point four million. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you looking at something else? Yeah, I don't know what I was looking at. Okay, so yeah, they haven't even hit. They haven't even hit that half billion mark. So I, I would imagine. Uh, well, then they, they say that the budget probably ballooned up to like four hundred million to begin with. Oh yeah. Yeah, because of all the reshooting and stuff. I mean, I'm sure at some point they'll probably manage to turn a profit after TV rights or, you know, media sales and merchandise and things like that. I'm sure eventually at some point it will end up making them a couple dollars. But that's not really why they make these. They don't make these movies to make a little bit of profit. They make them to make a lot of profit. Mm -hmm. Uh, They make these to pay for the next one. Although I'm a little surprised that... uh, that it made it onto the list domestically. Uh, number four is Deadpool two, which did three hundred and eighteen point one million. Uh, not bad. This underperformed compared to the first one, though, right? It did like a little bit less than the first one, I think. Uh, I want to say it did. Yeah, I think it just a shade. Hmm. Just a uh, shade lower. Let me, are I can. You, if any of these are surprises to you, by the way, just let me know if they come off as a uh, as a surprise. Unfortunately, yeah, it was about f- almost fifty million less than what the first one made. Uh, internationally, uh, it made more, but yes. Um, unfortunately, coming in at number three is Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, which made four hundred and eight point two million domestically. It's a it's a shame because that means there's another one of these coming, and uh, I, you and I were both so let down by this movie. Yeah, I'm surprised that it only. But I think the first one, the first Jurassic World, made like 1.5. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that it is within you know 250 million. Uh, number just two. because word of mouth. I don't. I mean, I met one person who said he liked it and. I just asked him how, uh, 
and he just said he he thought the dinosaurs look cool and I'm like I, I get that I also like right. dinosaurs but <laughs> there's so much more going on in that movie than <laughs> yeah. the dinosaurs that that are that are not good because he asked uh, me why I didn't like it and I was like well you can listen to something where I talked about it for 30 minutes but I just kind of hit the the highlights the high points. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number two or number one depending on how you're looking at this list is Incredibles two which did almost 600 million domestically. It did 587.2. Uh, that's like a whole lot more than the first one made. That was the my my surprise was how much it made internationally. Oh yeah, 400 almost as much, 465 million. That to me was the biggest surprise that it made that much money internationally. Do you think they're going to wait a decade or so before the next one. <laughs> I don't know. I can't, I I would, can't imagine I would be with that okay kind of with not ever having another Incredibles. I was very Me satisfied too. with the way it ended. Me too. Um, I didn't think it was as good as the first one, but you know, only in like that, it's slightly less good way. Uh, it's still an excellent, excellent movie. I just, I, I don't know, man, when movies make that kind of bank, I mean, we're going to talk about how much it made worldwide when we talk about the top five worldwides. When movies make that kind of bank, I just can't imagine them, the studio being like, ah, we'll just leave it on the table. We aren't going to make another I mean, one. I feel like, like there's the going to be closure. one didn't also make money. I mean, it did. It did, but I don't think it made it on that scale. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't think it, it was a different time. You know, Agreed. 2004. Yes. Uh, let's see. Uh, that would obviously make number one Avengers Infinity War, which did a ton. <laughs> 678.2 million domestically. Uh, which, by the way, God, that's such a huge number. And it only makes up 33% of its total lifetime gross. Domestically, it didn't beat Black Panther. And it didn't beat Black Panther. Which is crazy. Black Panther hit, what, 700? Yeah. I think Black Panther is like the top... Uh, I think it's the the top domestic movie still, correct? For the year, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, third all year. time. Yeah. Crazy. That's that's the thing I'm I'm more curious about. If they... Uh, granted, I know ignoring like storyline and that kind of crap, but flip flopping the releases, mm-hmm. I'm curious how much money Avengers would have made because it wouldn't have had it. You know, there was no competition for like two months. Yeah, because that was the thing is you know it did 250. I mean, it broke the record for its opening weekend. Yeah, but you know it dropped so fast that. You know what could you do? Because all these other movies came out within a month. Yeah, you had you had much stiffer competition in and around that time period compared to Black Panther, which, as you noted, opened to none. Yeah, I mean, you look at its weekend. So, like two hundred and forty-two. So it made. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. It opened at two hundred two. So it opened yeah. fifty million less than Avengers: Infinity War. And then second weekend, it was only a drop-off of $3 million between the two movies. Yep. Third weekend, it passed it. I think fourth. But, I mean, like, you go and it's like the second weekend, 111, 66, 40, 26, 17, 11, 8, 5, 5, yeah. 5. <laughs> like, you were yes. able to – I mean, that was – you know, it did it did almost $5 million the weekend after Infinity War came out. <laughs> like, yeah. That's crazy. I mean, I think a lot of people attributed that to like, oh shit, we haven't seen Black Panther yeah. yet. We should go see it before we see Infinity War. And Infinity War ended up driving more people to go see Black Panther, which was uh, crazy. That's what I really think that you're. I think that's. I think you're right. I think it's where the bump really came from. Whereas you know, you look at Infinity War two fifty seven. Mm-hmm. Are we going to go with the? You know, it's funny. It had the same amount of drop percentage as uh, Batman vs Superman. Uh, and it had been 62, 29. So when the so the week that so the fourth week when Black Panther made forty, this one made thirty. Yep. 
and then you know 17 10 7 5 two and a half one and a half so it just it didn't have the legs and that's why i'm just curious like if you flip-flopped them i'm right i wonder how much money it would have made right and ultimately the the story of their box offices were told in uh because avengers made so much money domestically it made a ton imagine if this was the christmas movie instead of last jedi yeah i mean this made this made so much money domestically and as I noted, it was only thirty-three percent the domestic of its total. It did. That's where it differed from Black Panther. Is this was gargantuan overseas, like really, really big. Uh, I don't know if there is a lot of movies that did that kind of business. I'm actually looking at it. It is the third highest overseas movie in history. Mm-hmm. What's it behind? Avatar and Titanic. Yeah. It made more money than Force Awakens did. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay, so let's... Um, Fast 7 let's wrap... made more money than Force Awakens did overseas. Huh. Let's, ra- let's wrap things <laughs> up and talk about the worldwide box office for the summer movies. And let's see if you can gleam the trend in the <laughs> top five worldwide summer movies. Number five is Ant-Man and the Wasp, which did a worldwide gross of $431.9 million, uh, which is pretty good for one of those uh, low-level Marvel movies. Uh, Deadpool 2 is number four. It did $733.1 million, And then everybody after that is in the Billion Dollar Club. Incredibles 2 did a little over $1 billion. Uh, number two is Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which did $1.2 billion. And then the King Supreme of worldwide summer movie grosses, Avengers Infinity War, did just a shade over $2 billion. Uh, now, if you haven't been able to gleam the, uh, the similarities here, four out of the five movies are superhero movies. And are... Four out of the five Disney? I mean, I know because Marvel, but... Yeah, I mean, technically, they don't own Deadpool yet. But if you consider it, like... Then it would be five out like, of five Disney owns. Or if you're like... Well, no, because they don't be, own Yeah, Jurassic three out of five, it'd be four out of five, yeah. Yeah, technically, three out of the five are Disney. And if you basically consider the Fox-Disney thing a done deal, then you might as well consider Deadpool a Disney... Thing as well, which is a weird sentence to say, uh, but yeah. Um, did you? By the way, before we go, uh, did you see the stuff about the the announcements about the Disney streaming service? Yeah, the Star Wars isn't going to be on there until twenty twenty. Well, not just that, but they announced uh, quite a few things that they're making. Um, some live action show every this is everybody's jumping in on this we got to make original content they're making well, a I think mighty that's probably duck why show they are doing taking safer bets with ip mm-hmm. because you're not going to make the back end money like movies aren't going to become cult hits that make you money they're just going to become cult hits right there will be there will be no r rated content on the disney streaming service that will all be relegated to hulu which once this merger goes through they will own the majority of as well yeah. Uh, and all of the R-rated Disney umbrella content like Deadpool and the like will probably end up on Hulu for people to watch uh, as opposed to the Disney streaming service. But yeah, it's uh, they're a juggernaut, Glenn, and soon they will own everything. And look, uh, usually I'm against this sort of monopolization of media and entertainment, but <laughs> if they wanted to buy out this podcast for a, like a stupid amount of money, which, I mean, if they wanted honestly, to buy it out for, like, two grand. Sure, that's a ridiculous <laughs> amount of money. I'd take it. I'd be like, here, here, have all the logos, uh, have uh, have the podcast archive. Uh, you know, if they come knocking on my door someday, uh, it, you know, it's Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase once said, Glenn, a wise man, said everyone has a price. And, uh, you know, $2,000 for this podcast empire of mine, uh, I think... <laughs> Uh, it could be the could be the price uh, I'm I'm willing to accept. 
Um, just saying, everybody, if you're interested in buying out Cinema Geekly, uh, cinemageekly at gmail.com. Starting bit, two grand. Serious inquiries only. Um, well, that's the show for this week. Uh, head on over to cinemageekly.com to check out the archives of the show. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn. Just search for Cinema Geekly, hit subscribe, and uh, that'll do it. For Glenn Beauvais, I'm Anthony Lewis, and we'll be back next time with another Cinema Geekly podcast. We'll be right back.